0: Hi and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is with a pretty cool guest. So Carla Rourke is a PT and a good pal of mine and he has decided to come on and been invited on with my clients in the Female Fat Loss Program to do a live with them to talk about diet culture, talk about fad diets, talking about documentaries on Netflix as well and who to believe and what not to believe and why people's relationship with food may not be in the best place. And understanding that it can be from a lot of different factors. So this is a really, really big mindset episode. And I think it's going to be very useful for people to understand the science for them to see if they do have not a great relationship with food, where it may have been coming from, where they're at now and how to improve it. So I hope you enjoy the episode with Carter Work.
1: Okay, first and foremost, I appreciate everyone coming on today and taking the time to... um to listen to this presentation, um, I'll try to keep it as as quick as possible. I talk very fast as well, so it should be quick. Um, the goal of this talk today is I want to get you into the mindset of you know giving up dieting and getting out of that diet mentality. Um, now, when I speak about diets, I need to define the term because I use the word interchangeably. So, like I can speak about my diet as a lifestyle. Um, And I'm pro-lifestyle. So when I think about my diet, I think about, you know, food that keeps me alive, that gives me energy, that nourishes my body, Um, you know, nutrient-dense food. But I'm also thinking about food that's good for my soul. So like a pizza on a Sunday when I'm hungover or like a a cup of tea and some biscuits. Um, But it's not just food either. Okay, like my diet is daily movement, exercise, you know, going out for a long walk or going for a hike or whatever it is. Um, but it's also, you know, stress management and uh, sleep quality and social connection, the people that I surround myself with that, you know, make me feel safe and seen and respected and make me laugh. You know, it's what I um, consume on a daily basis. Like, am I watching too much negative news? Is that affecting my well-being? Um, Am I watching too many social media accounts that make me feel crap about myself or am I watching social media accounts that make me feel, you know, educated and empowered? So when I talk about diets in terms of a lifestyle, I'm all for that, I'm pro that, but when I talk about diets today with you as um. I'm coming from a place of what diets have been for the last four or five decades. You know, losing weight from a place of restriction and punishment because you have been made to hey, how you look. Um, So what I want to do with this call is I want to push you in a direction of ditching the diet mentality and focusing more on health-seeking behaviours and understanding how you can get a lot further with that mindset than you can with a restrictive mindset. Um, So I'm just going to introduce myself uh, to the group because I know nobody in here knows who I am. Uh, So my name is Carlo Rourke. I'm from Wicklow Town, County Wicklow. I hold the record for being the skinniest, shortest, and most annoying personal trainer on the internet. And I say that proudly. Um, I'm one of them kind of ex-session head turned annoying fitness person. So what that essentially means is instead of putting all my insecurities up my nose like I used to when I was younger, now I just go out for uh, long runs and I go hiking and I go to the gym. And that's had a profound impact on my life. Like if it wasn't for fitness, I wouldn't be able to have the confidence to do things like this in front of you. uh, Like I just I just wouldn't. So that's what fitness has given me. It's been a tool of self-development. And that's what I think it can be for everyone else. Like if there's areas like you don't have to be a, a, a fitness guy or a fitness girl or a gym guy or a gym girl. But you can use fitness. To change the directory of your life, whatever it is that you want to do, you can just use fitness as a tool to be a better partner or be a better parent or um you know to have the confidence to go for that promotion or have the confidence to open your own business, whatever you want to do, have the confidence to go ask that person for their number, whatever it is, I think fitness can it can improve the quality of your life drastically. It has for me, but we have to make sure that the approach is correct because I've seen it go wrong as well, and when it goes wrong, it can go. It can go really wrong, um, so we need to talk about that, and that's what I'm going to be talking to you about when we talk about dieting and we talk about your weight loss goals. So I've been in the industry for seven years. I've been seven years a glorified towel holder and rep counter. Um, I've ran uh, successful one to one PT businesses. I've ran successful boot camp businesses. And even though I didn't know what I was doing, I still don't know what I'm doing. Um, a lot of people came to work with me, and I think that's because. When people go to work with a personal trainer, when the general public go to work with a personal trainer, you know, it can be very intimidating. And a lot of personal trainers can be very intimidating because a lot of personal trainers think, think they're God's gift and they, you know, have an ego and they're, and they're stuck up their hole at times. Um, whereas I don't think people felt welcoming coming to work with me, even though I don't think I was pretty good at what I did, but we had a solid business plan. So our business plan was, okay, come in, you know, do some burpees, lift some weights and we'll take you drinking. And that worked really well for the type of clients that uh, I work with. So that's what we did. We did loads of nights out. We did loads of charity events and uh, it was a really successful time in my career. I really enjoyed it. And the thing was, though, you know, as a PT, Like I thought, you know, I would just come in, shout at people, get paid and leave. And that did work to a degree. But there was a subset of clients who were coming in and, you know, they weren't seeing the results they wanted. They were struggling with their weight. And, you know, they would ask questions, questions that I didn't have the answers to questions about different weight loss methods and different diets. And, you know, I didn't know. I didn't have any knowledge of any of this. All right. I, you know, you don't really learn too much when you do your PT certificate, um, and 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 that's the truth you kind of learn on the go um so they would ask questions like you know what's your opinion on intermittent fasting and i didn't know anything about intermittent fasting like is the vegan diet good for weight loss i didn't know anything about the vegan diet other than i you know watched that uh, netflix documentary what the hell where they told you that uh, eating eggs was as bad as smoking 5 cigarettes a day so that was the limitations of my uh, nutrition knowledge uh, veganism propaganda uh, does protein damage your kidneys should i train fasted what supplements should i have should i have bcaas should i have creatine Should I be taking whey protein? You know, should I be taking fish supplements? Like, so all these questions were being asked at me, like, does fat make you fat? Does carbs make you fat? Should I drink apple cider vinegar? Like all these questions that I didn't know the answer to. So I would just bluff through the conversation, kind of like what I'm doing now. Um, And this is, uh, sorry, i just let someone in there real quick. Uh, This is the and kruger effect. Essentially, it's like when you start off, you think you know what you're doing. You know, you're confident in what you're doing. And then you start to learn a little bit and then you realize you don't know anything at all. Um, and that bothered me because it was the one job that I really enjoyed and I wanted to, you know, be as good as I could at the job. Um, and I realized I was incompetent at it. So what I did is I walked away from the boot camps, I walked away from the one to one PT business and I just tried to immerse myself in the nutrition space as much as a uneducated PT can do. So like I read diet books, I listened to podcasts of people that... You know, I respected in the industry people like Shane. I read blogs. I watched YouTube videos. I went to seminars with people like Martin McDonald. Uh, I got certified in nutrition with EI- EIQ. Two girls from Scotland, really good at what they do, Emma and Amelia. Media. And I just tried to learn as much as I could. So when a client came for, to, w- wanted my help, I was able to give them the right advice at the right time, you know proper advice advice that is backed in research. Um, and when I felt that I was competent enough in what I was doing, when I felt like I had uh, an understanding a, a grip of this thing this this thing that's weight loss and and how broad it can be that's when I opened the doors to the school of fitness program which was a one-to-one coaching program that helped people who were struggling with yo-yo dieting and um, so that's what I did I opened up my doors to to online coaching and then I started to you know give out free content online I started to create videos videos like uh, teaching people how to meal prep and you know teaching people how to create more food volume and you know teaching people about food neutrality you know not seeing a food is good or bad and and this black or white thinking and Obviously, when you work online, uh, the, the feedback's always going to be positive. So, uh, Paul called me a toi, Martin said, What an absolute bell Andy said, I mean, I'd probably listen to someone that was actually in good shape and not a stick. Uh, but my all time favorite was from Jack Burney. he goes, Get this short ass off my feed, he has the body of a 12 year old boy. Why would anyone want to listen to him? Rootless on social media. So, if anyone wants to have a career on social media, my advice would be, Uh, just, just don't do it, You're, it's not worth it for your mental health. Um, so I had to go on and I had to ask myself a question I was like are, are these people right like do I need to be you know a big bodybuilder to help Jessica down the road fit into her jeans or you know do I need to be a Gymshark model roided up to the gills to be able to help Sandra get up the stairs without being out of breath and obviously for me the answer was no so I just continued to crack on with what I was doing we continued to get people through the door of the School of Fitness program and you know the feedback was really really good we have people come back and say things like you know, Kyle, my relationship with food has improved. Um, I feel fitter. I feel stronger. I feel healthier. But most importantly, I no longer hate how I look or I no longer look in the mirror and hate what I see. And I think that's a big thing because, you know, a lot of people go on a weight loss journey thinking that it's going to solve all their problems. You know, once I lose 10 kg, then I'll finally be happy. Then, you know, everything will work out. And I've seen a lot of people then lose 10 kilos and still hate how they look. So there's a disconnect there. And sometimes I say to people, maybe the weight that you need to lose isn't physical. Maybe the weight that you need to lose is up here. It's in your head. Um, And that's a lot more difficult to coach people out of rather than just put them in a calorie deficit. um. So that's what we do. We don't help uh, bodybuilders get bigger. We don't help powerlifters get stronger. We don't help athletes with sports performance. Like the people that we help are people who have been struggling with food, struggling with their weight and struggling with self-image. Um, and they usually come to me and they say things like, Carl, I've tried everything and, and nothing's working for me. I can't seem to lose this weight. And I'm like, okay, so what have you tried? Well, I've tried Slim and World. Well, I've tried the cabbage soup diet. Well, I've tried fasting. Well, I've tried Weight Watchers. And I'm like, okay, all right. So you've tried a lot of fad diets, essentially. And then they're like, okay, well, Kyle, what's a fad diet? So a fad diet is essentially, you know, a trending eating plan, if I was to put it anyway. And it's usually based around hype rather than science. And like they, you know, they promise you that it's going to be the next big thing. It's going to be the thing that solves all your problem, going to improve all your health markers. You know, you're going to lose weight rapidly. You just have to follow this rule and this rule and this rule. And there's a lot of rules to follow, which makes it difficult to stick to. And the the problem is like you will lose weight at the start. You know, all these diets work and they all work by creating a deficit. Um, and that's how they tout it as the next best, best thing, essentially. And it's usually sold at the end of the phone by some diet influencer and most people when they think about diet influencers they think about social media they think about facebook and tiktok and they think about uh, instagram but the first diet influencer was actually a man called lord byron and he was he was a poet in the 1800s and he was considered the most beautiful man in the world of the victorians and he was the inventor of the vinegar diet which i'm sure a lot of you have heard of Um, and he used to put it on everything he used to put it in his water he used to put it uh, on his potatoes and His diet became so popular that there's uh, records of women in the 1800s dying from drinking pints of vinegar. So even back then in the 1800s, you had beautiful people ruining it for everyone else. Uh, And then going from one diet influencer to another. So more recent, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the Liver King. So the Liver King gained his fame by claiming that raw animal organs helped obtain his natural muscular physique. All right. It's obviously since then being exposed that he was a heavy steroid user. He was spending like 10K a month on steroids. Now, I have no problem with Liver King or any of these other people, but the problem is when they don't tell you the truth about their secret sauce and they turn around and they say, "Look at mine! look at my physique, okay? If you buy my supplements, you will look like this. If you follow my workout plan, you will look like this, you know? if you eat the way that I eat, you will look like this. And obviously it was, it was shown that he was making like a hundred million a year off a supplement brand. So of course he didn't want to disclose, you know, his secret sauce. Um, And then from him to his business partner who denied that he knew that he was on uh, steroids, which is ironic because he claims that he's an expert. So Paul Saladino, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard because he's all over uh, social media. He has 1.8 million followers and obviously he's an advocate of an animal-based diet. Um, And There's nothing wrong with that. If an animal-based diet works for you, that's fine. Like, there will be people that it will work for. The problem is it's wrapped up in his business. Um, He is the carnivore MD. So, therefore, what these people do is they'll try to demonize one food push you in the direction of a food that suits their agenda so they can sell their diet book or they can sell their supplements so he'll tell you that broccoli causes weight gain or that you know oatmeal is bad for you you should try eggs and you should try beef instead and that's why there's a lot of this kind of um confusing misleading information out there um on social media and just in general. And that's why people struggle with these fad diets. And I'm sure everyone knows James Blunt. So James Blunt tried the carnivore diet and this is how things can go wrong. So uh, James Blunt was in college with a load of vegans and he wanted to piss them off by showing them that a carnivore diet is you know, superior than a vegan diet. And he followed it for six weeks and then he ended up in the hospital with symptoms of scurvy. And I presume everyone knows about scurvy. It like, killed over like 2 million sailors uh, back in the 1800s. So it's a de- deficiency in vitamin C. So he started to obviously down uh, pints of, of orange juice after he found that out because, you know, it starts off with headaches and you feel irritable and you feel dizzy. But like if it goes untreated, You know, your organs will start to fail, your teeth will start to fall out. So it can get really serious if it goes untreated after a long time. And then from one celebrity to another, then you have Ashton Kutcher, who actually went on the fruitarian diet. He was getting ready for Steve Jobs' film. And the fruitarian diet is exactly as it sounds. So you eat a diet that's just full of fruit. And it's one of the most restrictive eating patterns out there. Now, obviously, fruit is good for you, but then people take it to the extreme and say, oh, well, you know, all this benefit from fruit, I'm going to go on a full raw fruit diet. And the risk of malnutrition is very, very high. There was actually a a vegan influencer who only died last year following the fruitarian diet, uh, Sansa Samsanova, known as Sansa the Art on social media. She used Instagram where she had 10,000 followers to highlight the benefits of the vegan diet. And you can see, this is her back in 2015. She's only two years into her diet there. You can still see, like, she has colour in her cheeks, lots of life. But, you know, when you continue on these restrictive diet uh, eating patterns... You can see that her face was starting to erode. What happens to the body is if it's not getting enough, you know, energy through the form of food and calories, it will start to break down skeletal muscle uh to to get that energy. And then obviously as things progress, it gets worse and worse. Um, I think her mum tried to get her back home to rush it to convince her to change her, her eating pattern. But some of these people's like beliefs are wrapped up in their diet so it's very difficult for them to change their ways so she ran back to malaysia where she continued to eat like this until she eventually passed away which was really sad obviously she was suffering from an eating disorder as well but just food for thought like some of these fad diets some of them are so restrictive they're they're like 500 calories a day like your brain needs 330 calories a day like you can't live on these diets you can't strive on these diets um that's why they can be so dangerous and then there's another vegan couple who was obsessed with natural food they ended up starving their two-year-old daughter to death when they only fed her raw food and they forbid things like meat fish eggs and milk from her diet um so again like you know in the wrong hands with people who don't understand nutrition these things can get very very dangerous and there's loads of stories out like that to be honest and this is the appeal to nature fallacy you'll see this a lot on social media especially around the wellness crowd it's like If something's natural, it's good for you. If it's unnatural, it's bad for you. Anything man-made or processed is bad for you. Anything natural is always good for you, which is ridiculous because like, you know, think about it. Viruses, they're natural. They'll kill you. Venom is natural. Venom will kill you. Cyanide is natural. It will kill you. Parasites is natural. That will kill you as well. So just because something's natural does not mean that it's going to be good for you. Um, And speaking of parasites, uh, one more extreme fat diet would be the tapeworm diet. Um, and this is essentially when you take a pill um and it contains a tapeworm egg. And then once it hatches, the parasite grows inside you and hosts it's the idea is that it eats whatever you eat. So you can continue to eat whatever you want without gaining weight. And obviously there's no evidence that this works. But like people try it. Like there was a woman, there was a mum in Florida, um and her, her daughter was in a pageant and she wanted the daughter to lose weight. So she got her to uh, eat one of these tapeworm eggs. And obviously the girl ended up in hospital with loads of stomach cramps when the doctors found that she was basically riddled with, with parasites. So and like you're probably thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to fall for any of that. I'm not going to fall for tapeworms. Like the people that are doing that are crazy, but like a lot of people do fall for these fad diets. I've fallen for them. I'm not, I know a lot of people on this program have fallen for them, whether it's Slim and World or the ketogenic diet or some of the more kind of trendy popular ones. So the ketogenic diet is obviously a, a diet where it basically cuts out carbs. Um, And the reason people do this is because it's touted as like the next best thing for weight loss even though there's absolutely no evidence that it's superior for weight loss in any way um maybe not fat loss anyway you lose a lot of water weight straight away because you because you're cutting out carbs um but if calories and protein equate it really doesn't matter if you go low carb or low fat and you know it's not sustainable for a lot of people people like pizza people like pasta people like bread so you know, unless you don't like them things, maybe the ketogenic diet is for you. Like but most people want to have these kind of things in their diet and they should have them in their diet because, you know, our body's preferred fuel source is carbohydrates, you know, and it's optimal for sports performance. So, you know, you want to get stronger in the gym, you want to uh, be more active, you know, eat your carbohydrates. And so these kind of diets with all these rigid rules, they just create food anxiety for people and unnecessarily. Um so why why do these people do these kind of diets why do people engage in them I think the reason that people engage in these diets is just because they're desperate and I think the the more desperate someone's um diet it's because they're obviously in pain and they want to change um and I think it's important to empathize with that um and this all you know gets like people diet culture essentially knows that This is the case that people will do desperate things in the pursuit of weight loss because they hate how they look and they, you know, thrive on that. Uh, This is what diet culture is. Diet culture sells us the idea that if we're not quite attractive enough, they have plenty for us to buy, they have plenty for us to do, and they have plenty for us to worry about in order to fix ourselves. All right. And it's a cultural set of beliefs that value thinness, appearance, and body shape over our health. I say this all the time to my clients your desire for weight loss should never be stronger than your desire to be healthy. And people go on a weight loss journey to get healthier and then, you know, they sacrifice the thing they want for the thing that's supposed to get it. They sacrifice their health for weight loss by doing these these extreme things. So you lose sight of what you wanted to do in the first place. Um, And this this happens from an early age, like 80% of American girls age 10 have been on a diet. Um, And I've been stressed out about how they look and one third of boys as well. It's not just it's not just girls as well. And I think this was the first year where uh, body dysmorphia in men has surpassed women as well. Um, And you have to think about it like it's people are brought up with this from early age, whether it's in the house, whether it's on telly. I mean, you'll have cartoon characters and they're on a diet and they go through these things and stuff like that. And then obviously talk in schools and, uh, and stuff like that as well and it's been shown that kids who experiment with dieting or are surrounded by diet talk or teased about their weight have a higher risk of developing an eating disorder from anorexia to binge eating so it's really really serious and i just wanted to share this um conversation that i had with a client he give you a better understanding of how damaging um, it can be from an early age and why people struggle with their way um, into adulthood. So when I was 10, I came home crying because kids teased me for my body size. My mom's solution was to take me to Weight Watchers to help me lose weight so the teasing would stop. This taught me that I deserved to be bullied and I owed it to everyone around me to change how I look. So this taught me that I deserve to be bullied and I owed it to everyone around me to change how I look like kids will come in all shapes and sizes. All right. And kids will go through growth spurts. Um, and as long as your kid is healthy, that is the most important thing. And you can't determine whether someone's healthy or not purely based by their body size or or, or how their body is. Um, and if you I understand why a parent would do this, like they're terrified of their kid uh, being teased. So, you know, they want to do anything to stop that. but you know go to a school go to the parents but don't blame your child for being in their body because they will grow up hating their body and then they'll engage in unhealthy behaviors in order to change that um so like again as long as your kid is healthy and this is the same with you is it's like if you focus on health seeking behaviors and being healthy rather than changing your body you'll probably get what you want in the long run i always talk about to my clients about focusing on fitness over thinness i mean if you're fit that's the main thing and that's why i use the example of a rugby player there because when you look at a rugby player you don't think well they're thin you think they're strong they're powerful and that's how how you should think about these things um as long as you're healthy as long as your kids are healthy that's the most important thing um and i'll give you another conversation here that i had so my mom has struggled with weight for as long as i can remember she constantly complained about how fat, unhappy and unhappy she was. as an adult, I realized this is so sad because I look exactly like my mom. This is called generational dieting, where we pass down our unhealthy behaviors to our kids, and then they pass it down to their kids. So my suggestion for everyone on here, when I'm telling you to break the cycle of dieting or that dieting mindset, you know it's breaking the cycle of punishing yourself of hating yourself of restricting yourself um, and to do that like don't be standing in front of the mirror picking yourself apart for whether you're there or whether your kids in front of you it's not helpful for either like you picking yourself apart and being like oh you're such a fat bitch look at your arms and look at your tree chins and look at the, that tie gap like that's not helping you it's not helping them and putting food up on a pedestal as well like let's say you know your fucking auntie Sue comes around with fucking cupcakes because it's your birthday and you're like oh no i can't i can't have a cupcake because i'm trying to be good you know i'm on a diet because i need to lose all this weight like putting food on a pedestal in front of your kids isn't going to be a healthy behavior for them to learn food is just food So we want to break this uh, diet cycle. But I understand like a lot of people have grown up in a generation where they're bombarded with messages like this, where, you know, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, Kate Moss, or, you know, the era of the tin size model where, you know, this was the pinnacle of health. Um, have fucking a meal plan of cocaine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So this is what diet culture does. It, it, it doesn't prioritize health. It doesn't care about health. It cares about thinness. Like if you're thin, you're a good person. If you're thin, you're a moral person. And if you're not thin, you're not a moral person. And then, you know, they profit off your insecurities. They profit off your insecurities around your body and around your health. And they make billions off it. Whether it's, you know, celebrity waste trainers or diet pills or sauna suits or diet book after diet book. They produce a thousand diet books a year. You know, from the ketogenic diet to the vegan diet, to the carnivore diet, the intermittent fasting, paleo, fruitarian, whatever it is. And if you were to follow all of these diets, You'd be left with nothing on your plate. You'd be sucking fucking ice cubes all day. All right. So we want to get you out of this diet mentality, this diet cycle where you start a diet, you feel restricted, you feel deprived, you crave, you give in, you feel guilty, out of shame. I've no willpower. What's wrong with me? You can't fail a diet. A diet fails you. And you already have a diet. Okay. Yes, it might be, you know, have a few too many calories and it might be low in protein, but you have a diet. So you don't need a diet. You don't need a diet with a name. So that's what we want to do. We want to break this diet cycle. And you're probably sitting there like, oh, well, Carl, you know, that's great and all, but I still want to fucking lose weight. I still want to lose body fat. I still want to, you know, look better and feel better in my clothes. That's absolutely fine. I think weight loss is a great goal to have when the approach is correct. And that's what I spoke to you about this at the start. It's like, you know, fitness is a great goal when we do it the right way. Weight loss can be a great goal for people, can really improve the quality of their life when we do it the right way so for me the right way is to first and foremost uh focus on health seeking behaviors because you know if you ask someone i want to lose weight okay cool why do you want to lose weight well because i want to be healthier okay what does that mean well i want to be happier and i want to feel more confident okay cool so that's the goal then it's not weight loss it's to feel healthier it's to feel happier it's to feel more confident okay how can we do that we can improve your overall diet so i always say to my clients you know focus with your diet instead of all these rigid food rules you know just focus on being a pencil with your diet rather than an eraser so an eraser you know takes loads of things out like no chocolate no wine no bread yeah no carbs um you know can't eat after 6 p.m can't eat before 1 p.m like just rule after rule after rule instead what i would just say is okay what can you add in all right can you create more frequency with your meals a lot of the clients that come work with me, they, you know, they tend to be busy and work. They end up skipping breakfast. They have a, you know, coffee instead. Coffee isn't a meal, by the way. You know, then they might have a scabby little lunch of about 400 calories. They might have dinner, which is another 800 calories. Like you've only had 1200 calories by the end of the day. You know, the calorie intake of a toddler. So then you you say, oh, you know what? I'm still a little bit peckish. So you go to the snack drawer, you grab a little bit of a chocolate Next minute, you're fucking balls deep in the snack jar, raiding it and eating as much chocolate as you can. And then you feel uh, shame and guilt about it and think you have no willpower. It's not that you have no willpower. It's that you haven't fed yourself. You're in a feast famine mindset. Your body needs energy because it's been moving throughout the day and you're underfed. So if you eat more meals, more frequent meals, you know, you'll feel full, you'll feel satisfied and therefore you'll feel more in control around food. And then you can make mindful decisions around, you know, having that bar of chocolate or whatever it is. So eating more frequent meals, I always say to clients, you know, eat more, lose more. Because just because you're eating more food doesn't mean it's necessarily you're eating more calories. You're probably making better food decisions because you feel full and satisfied and not hungry. We make poor decisions when we're hungry. What else can you add in? Can you add in more protein, all right? I said to my clients, have protein with with every meal, all right? 30 grams of protein will solve most of your problems. You know, wife left you, 30 grams of protein. House burnt down, 30 grams of protein. Stood on a rusty nail, 30 grams of protein. Have 30 grams of protein with every single meal because you will feel full, you'll feel satiated, and again, you'll feel more in control around your food decisions. All right, can you add in more fiber? All right, helps with digestion, helps you keep full. A good ratio is uh, one gram of fiber to 10 grams of carbohydrates. Um, Can you add in more complex carbohydrates and healthy fats? Like adding in, bulking up your meal, you know, focus on what you can add in rather than what you can take out. It's a much better mindset to be around. Um, And then I would ask you to focus on an abundance mindset over a scarcity mindset. All right, these aren't, you know, rigid diet rules. They're just looking at things with a different mindset around your nutrition decisions, like an abundance mindset, like knowing that food is always available, that I can have this whenever I want versus a scarcity mindset where you're like, well, I know I'm going to start my restrictive diet on Monday. So, you know, I need to eat all this delicious food, before eat all this delicious food before I can't have it. And then you're in this last chance mindset. This is my last chance to eat this delicious burger before it's taken away from me, you know, caressing the burger, caressing the chips, eating all the chocolate, you know, it it puts you in this mindset to overindulge and feel like shit about yourself. Um, And then you're probably thinking to yourself, well, if I'm allowed to eat whatever I want, you know, won't I eat everything? And then I won't see the results that I want. And I understand that mindset. A lot of people, they don't trust themselves around food because they have no evidence that they can do it because they've been on these restrictive diets their whole lives. But what I would say is when you take the shackles off and you focus then on nourishment over restriction, you start to make decisions for yourself, better quality decisions. Um so nourishment over restriction means, you know, focusing on eating for how you want to feel later on. I know I can have a pizza anytime I want. All right, but just because I can have a pizza anytime I want. Doesn't mean that I'm going to have it for breakfast because I know that I'll probably feel sluggish and shit throughout the day and I won't perform as well as I want to perform in the things that are important to me. So I'd much rather have, you know, a bowl of Greek yogurt and some fruit because it's going to set me up for the day. That doesn't mean I can't have pizza. I can have pizza whenever I want. I just don't want it because now I'm thinking about how I want to feel later on and that empowers me to make the, the choices that I want. So like you have two mindsets, okay? If you have a nourishing nourishing mindset and a restrictive mindset, so you look at Drake number one here and he's like, oh, I'm having a salad. I'm having a restrict, I'm having a salad because I'm restricting calories because, you know, I'm on this diet because I hate how I look and I need to lose weight. So I'm having this dry salad that I don't even want. Like how long is that going to keep up for? About two weeks and then he's going to quit versus Drake number two who has the mindset of nourishment and he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to have a salad today, you know, nutrient dense, filling, juicy. I'm going to be stuffed after I'm going to set it, be set up for the day. I'm going to feel great. Like the person with that mindset around food, even though it's the same action, the same behavior, the same food, your perception around it is completely different. And therefore you're probably going to have more salads and more health, healthy meals like that. And you're probably going to reap the benefits of it. So again, we're focus, focusing on nourishment over restriction. Another thing I would ask you to do, especially people that are suffering with um, self-esteem and body image issues and stuff like that, is focus on performance over appearance. So that looks like we're focusing on, you know, what your body can do versus what your body looks like, especially if you're someone who has been picking themselves apart for years about how you look. Um, and that's why I really like CrossFit. There's a lot I could shit on about CrossFit. But one thing, I went to... I went. To, I went training in Bali for a couple of months, and you know, most gyms that I went to, you know, all the gyms are covered in mirrors. And one thing about CrossFit when you go in there is there's no mirrors, because it's not about how you look. It's about you going in and you know, doing the work and and focusing on every day getting better, getting fitter, getting stronger. And that promotes a healthy body image. So again, like instead of being like, I need to go out for a run because I need to burn calories because I hate how I look and I need to lose weight. Again, that's not a mindset that you want to be in. It's not something that you're going to enjoy doing. Focus on an exercise, a a form of exercise, a form of movement that you actually enjoy and focus on getting better at that and focus on enjoying it. So I always say like, you know, weight loss goals can be... I would much rather see people focus on performance-based goals than weight loss goals, you know, getting a stronger deadlift or, you know, running your first 5K or your first 10K or, you know, being fit enough to climb up a mountain or or doing laps in in a pill, whatever it is for you. But you focusing on performance over appearance, it's going to be a lot better place to live in your head, essentially. All right. So if it has a name, if your diet has a name, it's probably not for you. If it demonizes food groups, it's probably not for you. If there's a lot of uh, food rules involved, it's probably not for you. You know, if it promises magic results, it's probably not for you. So what I would suggest is you focus on health-seeking behaviors over, you know, a restrictive mindset of dieting. So focus instead on what you can add into your diet. Focus on nourishment. Focus on performance. And then I'll just leave you with this. Like, there's nothing healthy about fearing food. You don't need to fear food. There's nothing healthy about starving yourself. And your desire for weight loss should never be stronger than your desire to be healthy. So don't lose yourself on the way when you're going on this journey of self-development, of getting fitter, of getting stronger, of losing weight, whatever the goals are. You can do it and you can do it with the right approach and you can actually enjoy the journey.
0: We're coming on to talk to my clients and it's pretty cool to see the level of change that people are asking and the questions that people are asking already and it's it's pretty cool to see and a massive thank you to car for coming on so as always please do review like share the podcast as much as you can the more people that share it the more people that review it so please leave a review up on itunes please leave a review up on spotify if you do i mean the world to me that's all i ask so thank you so much for listening to today's episode